Welcome to ACC Nation. That's Will Ogenen. I'm Jim Quist. Thanks for letting us join you. Hope you're having a great holiday season. It's started well in November, and it's going to continue all the way through January. So let's make the most of it and have a good time. There's a lot of sports on the table. Well, we've got so many things to talk about. I'm not sure we're going to be able to pack everything in, but we'll start with uh, with football. We do have a clear championship game coming up on the 4th. It's between Wake Forest and Pitt. And uh, all of you guys are, are putting in your your picks, your scores, and everything. So, and I think Pitt has the uh, the the leading edge here when it comes down to betting. Uh, the last I looked, they have a couple of points on them uh, on uh, the Deeks. So, when I understand, the tickets are selling really well. Should be a a big game. Yeah, I've seen some tweets from Wake Forest people saying they've sold out of their allotment. Um, and this was this morning on on uh, Wednesday morning. I don't, I don't know how true that is. I didn't follow up on it or anything like that. But I think I think it will be well attended. I mean, obviously this game's being played in Charlotte, and Winston Salem's not all that far away. You know, comparatively speaking to some of the schools in the league. And Ted, you know, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to you know go away is obviously flying from Pence from the middle of Pennsylvania to North Carolina. And hopefully they enjoy the, their time at the Charlotte airport sitting in the rocking chairs because those things are comfy, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, this is a, I think, I think we all know what, what's probably going to come out of this game is a lot of points. Yes. I think the over under sitting at somewhere around 72 right now. Yep. Um, I think the number could be higher. I've I pretty much said once this uh, was locked in that uh, I'm taking the over no matter the points, whatever the over under is, and I'm I'm sticking to that. I think both both teams are going to score. I don't see either team you know really stopping each other. I guess if you're looking at okay, which which team has the better you know like section a defense, and the answer is Pitt's defensive line. They have the best defensive line. And that stands out over any other portion of their defense or anything on Wake's defense. Um, that's that's where you might lean slightly towards uh, the, them in this game. But I, I also look at it this way: you know, I don't think there's much of a difference between Kitty Pickett and Sam Hartman. Where I would also see on the offensive side is I feel like Wake's running game is better than Pitt's, and I think both the passing games are fairly even. I maybe give, you know, I probably give us because I think you know, obviously Jordan Asset's a really good wide receiver, but, you know, there aren't a lot of there's not a lot of depth behind him. I look at Wake and I see Ja'Cory Roberson. I see Taylor Morin. I see A.T. Perry. I see a lot of guys who can go out and make plays on this Wake Forest offense. And that's where I think I would I would lean slightly with them on the offensive side of, of, of the ball. Um, now, obviously, I think I think the running, I think I, it, the running games for both are, I think they're kind of kind of even. Obviously, we've seen a lot of work out of Abanaconda from Pitt. You know, Christian Beal Smith for Wake. They have they they go with a few different backs, um, and obviously, both quarterbacks can run if they need to. So I, I have actually not sent in my pick, which I should do to you, <laughs> but and I'm not I'm not going to give it away here. You're just going to have to wait for, wait till the look at it on the website, but. I, I my lean is I would take the points uh, in in this game in a in a game that will I think will go over the seventy two. I think that's a wise choice to be quite honest with you. I have not made my pick yet either, and I think it's in part because Will just everything you laid out there uh, tells me that this is going to be a real battle and over seventy two points. Yeah, I can see this without any problem. I can see both of these guys, uh, these teams. Uh, raking up some some big points here, um, I think Hartman has the ability to to pick apart the secondary yeah. of of Pitt if if his lineman can give him time against mm-hmm. a, a rather stout Pitt defensive line, which I believe will happen. So, in some ways, I'm kind of leaning toward Wake Forest on this, even though the last couple of games they've played have they, they've kind of stunk things up. I, you know, they they just sort of fell flat on their face. Pitt has has emerged at the same time, but uh, you know when this type of game 
<laughs> you've got this sort of thing on the line, man. I'm telling you, people find stuff in themselves to make uh, this type of game work and uh, and to win. And so that that's what I'm looking at here, at least mm-hmm. now. You know? Yeah. And one other thing, you know, uh, there was that that point in the season where Hartman was struggling a little bit. I think that was due due to the fact that he's probably playing the two best defenses on their schedule, mm-hmm. um, and he's rebounded and played very well these last two weeks to, to close the season. I mean, Pickett, you know, he's he's been himself. He's, you know, there's a reason he was voted uh, ACC Player of the Year today on Wednesday. Um, and I mean, I could, yeah, it was deserved. I think so. I could, but, but it also, but also you could argue, you could make an argument for some other people too, but you know, this is a, this is a, you know, you look at how wakes or excuse me, Pitts played these last two weeks. Obviously they had a fight with Virginia, which, uh, you know, which we expected it to be a, a bit of a shootout and they right. handled the Syracuse team that kind of real started reeling towards the end of the season. And, Obviously, we're seeing changes at Syracuse in, uh, on, in, in terms of some of their coaches and what will be a big year in 2022 for Dina Babers, but we can get into that later because we're talking about the championship game. But I yeah, I still don't even know who, who, who I'm going to pick to win this game. I it's, it's that even to me. I believe that this is going to be a very exciting game. People are um, there. There's... Uh, 14 other team well actually 13 other teams um that are very thankful that it's not the same one team that's in it you know that that helps a lot now speaking of helping a lot um this word just came down uh, this past week about uh, or this week the uh, ACC network is finally going to be on Comcast Xfinity now um it won't be until the end of December, maybe early January at the very latest. So here's one thing I have to say, Will. What's I, that? I, I, and, and this is not directed at you specifically. Um, I told you so. You've been saying for a while that you thought it might be January before the, uh, the I think that's what you said. It was right around January. Yep when this was going to happen and you know you were got to give you your credit um because you know you 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 follow these trends a lot closer than i do and usually when you say something like that i'm going to take you for your word but you know i'm glad it's finally done i know there are a lot of comcast subscribers who you know are very excited right now but i also think comcast you know because of this uh, lost a lot of subscribers because of it, and they've gone and had and decided to cut the cord. As I break out the <laughs> uh, the instruments again, uh-huh. um, but you know, good on them for finally for finally doing it. And, you know, it's yeah. There's I think, does this mean the end of the Spurtle commercials? <laughs> well, not immediately, no, because well, yeah. most uh, most network buys. Uh, are are done later yeah they're they're done in advance but you know maybe once we get into you know the latter part of you know conference play towards maybe end of baseball season that changes maybe i i would tend to think probably what you're going to do is see uh (laughs) the rid of you know alien tape and all the other stuff is going to be gone by uh oh the kickoff of next football season. Okay. Uh, that That's, I mean, and they could say, and you know, there's, yeah. they still could <clears throat> exist in some form. They just won't be as frequent because if you watch some of these, some of the, like, especially like the ESPN two ESPN U games, mm-hmm. there's, they're there. Yeah. I was watching, uh, I, you know, Iowa, Virginia the other night and I saw one of the, the, um, it was those, I can't remember which company it is, but I, you see Jimmy Walker, and Joe Namath prom- promote them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw one of those commercials during the Iowa Virginia game on Monday night. Gotcha. Dino Mike. <laughs> oh my God. So but gl- you know those so commercials. Glad. You know they, those are two guys who whose peak was a long time ago. A long but... <laughs> time ago. Yes. Um, 
let me just put it to you this way. I, I have spent an enormous amount of my professional career in media, especially in the management side, um, television, and other things. And um, I understand how these contracts work. I've worked with uh, a lot, in fact, a company that was a precursor to Comcast. I worked with, uh, with that company to to do some contracts and things. And I'm telling you, it is very involved and people do not move quickly. They want to make sure that they've got everything to their advantage as much as possible. So I did my research on this, looked at it very carefully as to, to what the original contract was, how that was implemented, how long it took for them to do it, the time frame in which it, it started and then it was implemented. And Everybody who thought that it was going to be sooner than that, uh, sorry, you don't know how the business works. You're assuming that the ACC network is like this gem and that it's like this big thing. It's not in the big picture. And that's why, you know, when I wrote the, the column about Hulu was the big, the big thing that they were talking about. The contract between Disney and Comcast, the carriage deal, is is just something that they had to renegotiate all of the, you know, how much are you getting paid for this, all the TV stations, the Disney, the House of Mouse stuff, ESPN, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. Who's going to carry what, how much you're going to get paid, all that. It included the SEC network as well as FX, Nat Geo, on down the line. Well, the ACC network is new and wasn't going to be in no way, shape, or form was ever going to be included uh, sooner than this contract being implemented. It just wasn't. It, it, there's no way in the world. It's not worth that much. As you pointed out something, you know, Comcast probably did lose some, some customers over this. But they're a multi-billion dollar company. Do you actually believe for a second, Will, that losing 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 customers is really going to dent their bottom line? No, no, not at all. No. So they don't. I, you know, I hate to say that we don't, we just don't have any influence there. We don't. No. We don't. Not as much as we'd like to think. No. I mean, not, that, is a, that is a big media conglomerate. Right. and. You know, it they is. make million or billions, I should say, yeah. you know, it's, it's he, you know, on a yearly basis. So we are so, <laughs> you know, they yeah. don't care. Yeah, they don't. And, and you know, I don't want to sound flip about it. I mean, they, they on one end, they do care about about their about their people, uh, about their subscribers and stuff. But on the other end, you know, it's a business thing. And, you know, the bottom line is the bottom line. And it's it's all about the money. And that's what it came down to. And that's what it was going to be in this particular instance. That's what happened. So, um, again, uh, you know, to not, not to gloat, but I, I, honestly, I, I have been preaching this for months. So I just want to say, as we're doing this right now, um, we're recording this at about 8.15 Eastern mm -hmm. on Wednesday night. And literally news is breaking while we're recording that Marcus Freeman is expected to be named the next head coach at Notre Dame. And we were going to get into that at some point, yeah. but Hey, yeah, why not? Why not? Why don't we just go ahead and do that now? Let's uh, let's back up for just a second. We'll talk about the coaches. Uh, so here are the people that we know are out. Justin Fuente at Virginia tech. Duke's, You're out. Duke's David Cutcliffe. You're out. Uh, Notre Dame's Brian Kelly. Bye-bye. And then, <laughs> And a slew of OCs and DCs. We still Money have. Money talks. <laughs> that's right. We have. Oh, wait. That's ACDC, not OCDC. Sorry. Got it mixed uh, oh, up. Okay. <laughs> close. Close. Um, there, there's a uh, couple of question marks surrounding a couple of well-known people. Mm -hmm. Brent Venables is still out there as a possibility. Now. I, there's something in my gut that tells me something's happening there. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm, you know, I don't want to jump on stuff. I, I, I hate being the, the person who speculates until, and this is, this is this journalism background. You know, that's, that's what I was taught. I was taught to 
very early on, make sure that you have somebody who can verify it, who's in a position of authority before you step out on that limb with a saw. Um, and uh, a lot of people don't do that in the, in the blogosphere. Uh, they'll throw stuff out on social media and it's speculation. And, and you and I were talking about a, a particular individual uh, who was throwing uh, he throws things. He like yeah. He's notorious for throwing things on yeah. the wall and yeah. and sticks. It mostly doesn't stick. <clears throat> right. So, uh, but you know, every once in a while, a, a blind pig finds an acorn too. So, um, yeah. but anyway, I, you know, it's it's just better to be a little safer than sorry. And that's why you know we look to people. Um, well, I, you know, I'll throw David Teal out there. Okay. Uh, David Teal is a good example. Mike Barber is another good example. These are people, these are people in my backyard who work at the Richmond mm -hmm. Times Dispatch. Um, and they are, are tied in and they make sure that when they hear something, they get a clarification. And that's before it ever gets out there in the, into the public. So that, that is a very uh, important thing to do because there's nothing worse than walking around with mud on your face all the time instead of on the side of the mm -hmm. barn. So let's talk about who is uh, taking over Will at uh, at Notre Dame. Yeah. So as we just mentioned, um, it's it was uh, first reported by On Three Sports that mm -hmm. uh, Marcus Freeman would be. I was about to say Marcus Stroman because he also signed today, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's going into the the city of the team you're, of whose hat you're wearing. <laughs> But um, yeah, Marcus Freeman is going to be promoted from defensive coordinator to the to head coach. You remember Freeman helped build Cincinnati's defense, um, built build them up to uh, to where they are today, and he took the Notre Dame job uh, after last season as after Clark Lee moved on to become the head coach at Vanderbilt. Freeman did a great job of this defense, um, seen as an up and comer in the coaching ranks. I know his name was thrown out as a possibility for the Virginia Tech job. And if, uh, if say, if they would have hired Luke Fickle, Notre Dameism, there was talk about Freeman going over to Cincinnati as kind of a, almost a trade trade off. But, uh, you know, this is, this is, a, I would say it's kind of a tr uh, risky move because, you know, it, this is a huge school, Notre Dame, who has all this history uh, you know, as, of success and you're hiring somebody who has never been a head coach um it but obviously he's been seen as an up-and-comer in, in the ranks um like i've said he did a great job at cincinnati he you know took over the notre dame job and they in notre dame because a lot to do with their defense is the reason they are you know flirting with a call with a playoff bid again um but yeah this is this has just come down as we were recording and it's just uh you know, I, I can't I can't fault him for going that route. I mean, I was a little surprised they didn't go to Luke Fickle, but I'm wondering if given the fact that we are about two weeks out from the early signing period and even though they were they were supposedly willing to wait uh to see what Cincinnati's fate was after this weekend and their and the championship game in the American, they you know, thinking they could wait and see if they made the playoff, mm -hmm. then, you know, make a run at him. Maybe they decided, you know what, we'll, let's not, let's just take Marcus because he's, you know, he, we think he's ready. And, you know, like I said, this is, it's a risky move, but I, I think it's one, one worth taking. I think it'll pay off for them in the long run. Um, here's something I want to throw out at you because I saw this in USA today, not, a few hours before we went on the air, uh, Brian Kelly explaining his decision to leave Notre Dame. And this is a quote. I wanted to be with the best. You want to talk about somebody burning bridges. This guy has <laughs> in a, he has an innate ability to just excuse the French here, folks. He pisses people off left and right. He, I, I look at him. He pisses me off. I, I've always felt that way about Brian Kelly. But, I mean, if you look at his track record, he has burned bridges left and right. He, he's, he's doing it again. And, uh, you know, he signed this really big package, $95 million, um, 
over 10 years, $9.5 per year, and plus some extras thrown in there that are bonus type of things. All you can eat Cajun? Uh, pretty much. A lot of, raw, a lot of crawfish. Uh, uh-huh. So, <laughs> well, you had the right guy in Ogeron doing that. I mean, you know, he's the perfect yeah. dude for that. Um, I just... Uh, I, I don't know think Brian Kelly sometimes. I really don't. I mean, I, that, yeah. that is not something you want to do in in a in a club that has small membership. Mm-hmm. You you're I'm reminded of an episode of The Simpsons where Homer quits his job at the nuclear plant and on his way out he throws Mr. Burns off of the off of the little um vehicle or whatever and literally burns the bridge as he's driving <laughs> off of it and that's all i can think of with brian kelly because he's perfect. he literally burns bridges everywhere he goes and perfect. well kind of led to somebody's death too mm. <laughs> mm. i yeah i shouldn't have said that because um <laughs> if you're not watching the video jim nearly spit out his coffee while he while i said that oh whew. okay <laughs> It was either going to come out at the screen or it was going to go down the wrong pipe. And I, <laughs> I balanced it just right. <laughs> but if you want to feel, feel old, Freeman is 35 years old. So yeah, don't, don't worry. That does make me feel old. Yeah. So. But I mean, this is, I look at this as being a good thing. Uh, this yeah. along with the, uh, with a, another hiring Penn state DC uh, Brent Pry. Uh, who happened to be with uh, Beamer and Foster back in the day uh, mm-hmm. is coming back. And uh, he's a relatively young guy. This is his first head coaching position. That's pretty exciting stuff. Um, I'm I'm kind of pumped about this. I don't think you always have to have that name guy because there's enough great talent that's sitting there pushing you know it's constantly pushing and they need to break through at some point um you got to have a pair of brass as an ad to say i'm putting it all right here my i I, you know swarbrick (laughs) notre dame that dude's got brass okay my bad yeah for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what i Let's with this caveat, we have no idea if he if he's a good head coach or not. He's a, he's never been one. Right. But where you look at here's where you look at. OK, Virginia Tech was going to have a hard time landing a big coach in this cycle when mm-hmm. Florida fires their head coach. Uh, USC fired their head coach. Uh, you see, you know, we've obviously seen all the big names we saw. You know, Lincoln Riley go to USC. We've, we've now seen, as we mentioned, Brian Kelly to LSU. All these big names, you know, switching jobs. And it was just like Virginia Tech probably had no shot at Billy Napier now that he's in no. Florida. Um, don't know what Matt Campbell's future holds at Iowa State. Maybe he's, uh, maybe with all these moves, he might end up staying there. Same with Luke Fickle. They were, though, they were never going to seriously look at the Virginia Tech job. And this is where where Whit Pabcock decide, okay, we need to take a chance on somebody who has some ties to the to the Commonwealth of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Pry has that, as you mentioned, Jim. That's right. He was a grad assistant in the mid nineties uh, under under Beamer and Peak Beamer and Bud Foster. He, you know, he was the defensive coordinator at Penn State, as you mentioned, and. You know, he he's a really good recruiter. He has done a lot of recruiting in Virginia for Penn State. Um, obviously, can develop, can find and develop the talent. Uh, Micah Parsons, who's balling out as a rookie for the Cowboys this year, he was one of his uh, one of his recruits. Uh, but this is but the thing of it is is we we see all this talent in Virginia, but neither Virginia school is getting them they're going south to North Carolina. And I think both Virginia and Virginia Tech fans can agree on that, on one thing. This should not be happening. That's right. Because, you know, they're both teams are down. Uh, I could go on a complete Virginia rant, but I'm not going to do it right now (laughs) because there's really not much to talk about. We're we're too many days removed from from the game to really hash it out right now. But 
what i think what what babcock needed is exactly what pry is you know a good you know a good you know up and coming guy i mean i know he's 51 years old but you know someone who's getting his feet wet in this thing he's already gone and he's he's kept jc price he's going to stay on staff uh pearson prelo a former hokey who who was working kind of behind the scenes a little bit he's going to stick around so he's keeping some of these guys who have ties to the school that are going to help out and having and this is where i think separates virginia tech from virginia is you need these alums who have you know ties to the state you know in recruiting they have they have a lot more like virginia right now i think all i can think of is marcus hagans and clincento right. everyone else is from out west and i and you know i'm not and then this is here we go here i go talking about virginia again but you know I, th- I think this is going to, this is a good hire for, for what it's worth for Virginia tech. I, I mean, we'll be inter- the, we'll be interesting to see who he hires as his coordinators. That, that's obviously going to be a big influence. And there, obviously there's some, there are plenty of names out there that can, that can help him out. I think he needs to hire someone with head coach experience to kind of help him got to help him, you know, get through it, you know, at least early on. I think I think that would be smart for him, but yeah, there's this. It looks like this roster is going to be a little bit of a turnover going into 2022. Some of its best players are gone. I don't think the starting quarterback for next season is currently on the roster. Obviously, I think Burmeister has used up his eligibility. Knox Kadem's just entered the transfer portal. I don't think Blumrick is the guy you can rely on on a consistent basis as a quarterback. So, you know, that's going to be, you know, step one for him is, is finding that quarterback um, and, and really fixing that offense because it has not been good in a few years. Um, defensively, they haven't been, they, I mean, they're, they're down from where they, you know, were under Bud Foster, but they're not that down. They're, they're still a solid defense. Um, we, we see some, you know, some of these guys are, you know, probably going to get drafted at some point here. Uh, in the next couple of years, I think, I think that's probable, but they're, I mean, they're not bringing, they're not getting the, you know, some of the talent that we saw play in the NFL for a number of years, but this is a, this is, I think that's, this is the kind of hire that, you know, if it works out, could bring Virginia Tech back to somewhat uh, relevance uh, like they were, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I go back to what I've always said about, about Fuente was that, I think he's a good coach. He was not a great coach. And a yeah. great coach is somebody who, who has his finger on everything that's going on and knows how to manipulate things to, to move in certain directions. Um, I think having a, a, a green defensive coordinator for the Hokies has hurt them. I don't know how, you know, I mean, if you give somebody like that an opportunity to grow, Maybe you can build something there, but um, that's not what they're looking for. Now, here's a reality check, and I, I don't mean to offend anybody um, in the ACC, certainly, and, and certainly uh, not at Virginia Tech. Um, and, and this goes for all the schools, to be quite frank about it, uh, you know, maybe one or two exceptions. Uh, the ACC does not have a good reputation football-wise. Okay, it's building, it's it's coming, um, it, and this past year the the level of talent has has gone up immensely. But at the same time, you know, it, the the reputation is a lagging factor. It always is going to be a lagging factor. If you don't have consistency in your performance. And if one team is always dominating your conference, then you become, you know, you know, everybody talks about how, how big and bad the SEC is. After Alabama, who was there? Well, every once in a while you'd get Georgia would pop up like this year. Uh, LSU would pop up, you know, but after that, I mean, you know, what are we talking about here? ACC cannot continue to go along being a one-team conference. This was the first year that I've seen some parity of a, of a degree 
some of it has been Clemson dropping off. Some of it has been teams picking up the ball and and being better um, and being more competitive. Uh, we'll see how they do in bowls. That's going to be the, the clincher for me. If, if these ACC teams that are headed to the bowls, if they can get all their players in there um, and, and they get some big wins, that's going to be huge for this conference. But here's the thing that I was, I'm, I'm going to say it. Uh, you know, when you go out looking for a coach and you think you're going to get, you're going to get top tier talent to come into Blacksburg, No. Uh, you know, it's nice to have an, a high opinion of yourself. And I have a high opinion of Virginia Tech. I really do. But they are not a top-tier program yet. They can be. And a lot of the other schools in the ACC can be, too, if they keep pushing hard enough. But right now, there's only a couple that are top-tier. And one, clearly who had an off season, but they'll be back. Um, you know, when we start seeing Wake, Pitt, uh, NC State, Florida State, these teams, when they start coming back, if Virginia Tech can do the same thing, if Virginia can be consistent, if you, if you do that, if Louisville can be consistent, Miami could be consistent for once, uh, that would be fantastic. Then you'd have a competitive conference and people would not be talking about the SEC as the dominant football conference in college football. They are. And they're going to be for a while and it's going to take a while for these reputations to be cleaned up and the ACC to be looked at as a conference uh, that has a, a solid reputation. And then it can start pulling in better players, uh, more money. And uh, then you can start talking about if you lose your coach, then you can start saying, hey, man, yeah, we're in the running for these top these top tier uh, coaches. Not yet, uh, sadly. But yeah. uh, I um, think I think we've got some good coaches that have, are coming in and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah, and you look at some of the, these these coaches the the conference has brought in lately. Um, just going back over the last you know two three years, Papley's doing a great job at Boston College. He just got a contract extension this week. Mike Norvell, uh, I, I I think I mean did they went five and seven this year? But I thought he did a really good job of turning that that team around. You yeah. know, going Definitely. starting zero and four, losing to an FCS school. But he kept the team together. They didn't quit. They played hard for him. He he he, he played. He was a coach because he figured out. Okay, this offense isn't working with McKenzie Milton. I'm going to stick Jordan Travis in there, even though I don't really want to. But he gives us our best chance to win. And you know what? He's going to run all over the football field. Mm -hmm. And you know what? They 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 almost they almost pulled it off against Florida, and you know would be going to a bowl. But you know what? They have an awesome recruiting class coming in for twenty two. Yep. They're going to be they're they're if they can figure out the quarterback situation next year, they could be a dark horse in the ACC Atlantic next year. Yeah, I would I would go one step further there, Will, and I won't call them a dark horse. I'd say FSU is going to be a contender. I I believe that next year, <clears throat> just based upon everything I've seen, um, and that is, see, that's what I call a great coach, because. He, he got a hold of things. He saw what was wrong. He started making adjustments. And those players bought in. And that was exciting to see them do that. You could tell. You could feel it. Fans could see it. They knew something was happening there. And they have more faith in Florida State now. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be fun to gonna be fun to see them next year and see what they do. I, I predict some really good things for them. Um, let's look around here at a couple other places, just, uh, bouncing around here. You talked about Boston college, but half extension, uh, Syracuse, uh, some changes there with, uh, coordinators, um, still faith in Dino. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, if this is a matter of, uh, we can't afford to, to buy him out right now, but we'll let him make some changes. But if it doesn't work, you're out in 2022. 
Yeah. Um, I thought I they were better this year. I didn't, I wasn't as high as on them as most, but I thought when they uh, switched to more of a running style that worked, but did you see Sean Tucker's tweet uh, the other day? Um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but he basically no. called out the play calling uh, from, from the game on Saturday. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a sophomore, but you know, he's probably only going to play college for one more year. And I, at least if I was him, I'd play one more year in college and, and had the rose because we know the shelf lives of running backs is not that long, exactly. but I would not be surprised if he's gone and with the, with the words he said, um, I, I don't have him in front of me right now, but you know, this was arguably the best running back in the ACC. And he was not happy with the way that game, that game played out against, uh, against Pitt on Saturday. And yeah, this could be a, a messy one for Babers. That's a transfer portal um, candidate, and I, I, I'm just waiting for that to happen. And, and whether he goes to another ACC school or he, he ends up going to another conference, we'll see. Uh, awesome player. It's fun to watch, man. Um, <clears throat> so Notre Dame, we know what's going on there. Louisville, not much changing. So – uh, Virginia Tech, we know some changes are occurring there. Uh, Virginia, haven't heard or seen anything. Yeah, I and you and I have had this talk offline with Chris about just the the tight knit community that is the Latter Day Saints religion and how it's just really hard to get rid of one of your family. Right. Um, I just wonder if that's the case here. Um, it, could and if be. Carla Williams goes in there, it's like, hey, this defense has been asked the last two years and you need to make a change. And I know uh, a lot of people would like to see the other defensive coordinator at Penn State come home, Anthony Poindexter. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's that's possible. I don't know what this what what is going on there. Um, I have not heard a peep. I don't know if any changes are going to be made. And I hope and I I don't want to advocate for somebody losing their job, but right. something has to change because. And I even said this after the pit game to, to somebody who I was talking to on Twitter, a mediocre defense and Virginia's uh, playing Wake Forest in the ACC championship game. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think there's, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Will, none at all, because um, if, uh, you know, if, if you had a decent defense uh, paired up with that offense, that is a winning program. And I, I would go as far as to say it, even a mediocre defense. Probably in today's ACC, that that is an ACC championship team. And look at all the uh, up-and-coming quarterbacks this league has. And we're not going to talk, you know, Sam Howell's going pro, so we're not talking about him necessarily. But you know, look at Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, he's going to be around for a couple of years. Right. Um, he looks like he's going to be special. Um, you know, um, I, you know, maybe DJ Mianguli figures it out next year and he has, and he becomes what people thought he would be. Um, I'm just trying to run, run you know, Jeff Sims. If he can cut down in turnovers, he, he, he can be a really good quarterback otherwise. Right. right. Um, so this, this league is still loaded with quarterbacks. Um, a lot of talent. A whole lot of talent in the, in the ACC. Uh, by the way, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, the Rookie of the Year for the ACC, and the uh, Player of the Year is Kenny Pickett, and Jermaine Johnson the third of Florida State is the Defensive Player of the Year. So throw that in. Yeah, it's, it, it really says something about how stout Georgia's defense was or how de deep that D-line was. When he couldn't even get any playing time there, transfers to Florida State and his defensive player of the year. I mean, I don't think there was any other option for yeah. that because yeah. he was just that good yeah. for the Florida State. But, geez, this is really, really, really tells you just how uh, deep that D-line room is at Georgia. Yeah, that is a, that's, a, that's a national championship team there. Uh, and I, I'm glad to see that, I, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's nice to, to break – out of the mold of the old. So, mm -hmm. um, and I, to be honest with you, I, I really hope that Georgia just lays a whoop ass all over Alabama. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I, I, Me too. I, no, no love lost between any of us and that particular team. And it, it was yeah. f- so funny because you, sure. you go through the SEC and pretty much ask anybody what team mm-hmm. they hate right up front. Mm-hmm. Alabama. And my cousin is a, you know, I have a cousin who's from Georgia and roots for the Bulldogs. So I'll be, I'll, I'll root for her, for them in unison with them. <laughs> there you go. Hey, a couple of ADs um, moving on. Miami's Blake James was fired and FSU's AD David uh, Coburn is uh, saying that he's going to be retiring. So uh, there's some changes going on there. Um, I, I just, you know, there's, it's that time, you know, and sometimes change comes all at once, and we're seeing a lot of it across college football. And I think it's going to change the face of sports in general um, because it's just that time. Yeah, and I and I think the the situation. And I'm just going to talk about the Miami AD situation for a second. And I've already seen a couple of names who was who were potential replacements for Blake James at Miami have already withdrew withdrew consideration. I mean, it just literally, as we're talking, New Mexico's AD Eddie Nunez was thought to be a leader. He pulled himself out of it. Um, there was somebody else's name. I can't remember who, who was, who, who people thought would be considered and they, they're not interested either. So it's, it's getting interesting now because you got your who knows how long this AD search is going to last. You also have, like I mentioned earlier, early signing periods in two weeks. Whoever this AD is has to has to make a decision on Manny Diaz pretty quickly. Obviously, everyone's you know desired replacement is playing this weekend in the Pac-12 championship game, but we've laid out on this podcast before why he might and might not take it. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe why Manny Diaz could end up staying and what he has, you know, in store for him next year. It's, it, you know, Miami's obviously we're seeing with now two people we're pulling out that uh, people don't necessarily think of Miami the same way that, that many want to think of it. The, uh, specifically the people at Miami. Uh-huh. So let, they're let's... like way up here. When really they're like more like right in here. Yeah, go down a little further than that. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably lower. Probably right here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, right about there. Yep, right. uh, okay. that'll do it. That'll do it. Hey, uh, stuff is. You know, one of the reasons people are pulling out of there. Um, that situation down there is, and I'm going to spell this because if I say it, it's going to sound wrong. F U N K E D. That's what it is. Oh, if I'd have known you were going to bust out that, I, I have a hockey puck right here. You could have oh, just well, said there that. You go. I could have brought puck. out the visual. Yeah. Or I could bust out this puck too. This is a shout out to uh, our friend Matthew, actually got me this one. That's nice. a Frozen Four puck from uh, 2018 when uh, the Frozen Four was in St. Paul. And knowing Matthew, he uh, caught that with his teeth. <laughs> while slamming a diet mountain dew that's right multi-talented man yes and we didn't talk about um all the changes at georgia tech either nope uh go ahead well um, um grab do you have do you have them in front of you because i, do I don't not actually I, um, I don't have all the stuff that that uh, transpired there i know that yeah. there were some shifting of several people there so uh, yeah, um, here I can actually pull it up while we're talking. Um, I know, I know a lot of the uh, several members of the defensive staff were let go um, after the season. I will pull it up right now. All I can um, tell you is that basically that um, Jeff Collins is feeling some heat. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, rightfully okay. so. I think that um, it one of the one of the 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 things that was a tell. Anytime you you have any individual lashing out at um, at the media as the problem, then they're trying to gaslight you. Okay, uh-huh. whether that's politics, sports, or anything else, if anybody ever comes out and points a finger at the media as the problem, 
you know who the problem is. They should have a mirror in front of them because it is them. All right. Mm-hmm. All so, right. I've got it in front of me here okay. now. Uh, Tell us about offensive it. Coordin- coordinator Dave Patnod, which kind of I don't know if that one makes sense to me because the offense wasn't the problem. They, no. I mean, they. I mean, yeah, it's not. I don't know if it's necessarily his fault that the the offense was so weird. But um, co-defensive coordinator and safety coach Nathan Burton and cornerback coach Jeff Popovich were all let go. And we also should have mentioned that Jameer Gibbs entered the transfer portal too. Mm-hmm. So this is a big, big um, um, season for Jeff Collins at 22 because he he we talked about the possibility of Babers being on the hot seat. I mean, uh, Collins' seat is much much hotter um, mm-hmm. with all these changes, and now he's got you know pr- probably his best offensive weapon in the transfer portal now plus the backup quarterback um is now in the transfer portal too sims is backup um his name escapes me at the moment um i I can't even think of it so this is a this is this is not looking pretty for collins next year you know when people start making these types of moves it's very unsettling and so there there definitely needs to be some things that are, are addressed there and I guess that's what they're doing with the uh, the change of OCs and DCs there and uh, some of the players not feeling comfortable with the way things are there in the uh, wonderful world of uh, hot seat Georgia. This is a visual part, people. This is why you should be following us on YouTube. <laughs> that's the uh, beginning of that dumpster fire. Yeah. And... And we also, uh, we mentioned it, you know, David Cutcliffe out at Duke. Um, yep. We do not know who the head coach will be. And I, and I thought it was fair to give him the season and, you know, let him coach the seniors Sure. Uh, afterwards. And this is, they say, when you look at the, the best coaches in the history of that program, you look at Cutcliffe, you look at Spurrier, and you look at the person the stadium's after, named after Wallace Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, they're obviously the three most successful coaches in the history of that program, and uh, he he deserved to let this play out. And you know, I don't, I don't. We obviously have no idea who's going to be the head coach, but uh, looking at some of the candidates, we're looking at um, uh, what's his name from Army Monken. Um, the guy, they were obviously run the triple option there. Um, it's, you know, this is, you know, who wants the triple option back? Jeff Monken at, uh, Adam, but, uh, you know, who wants to see the triple option again, everybody, but please no. Yeah. I, I'm not having it, but, you know, but I think, uh, you know, Duke, Duke is one of those programs that it might work for. I mean, when you look at, there's 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 a level of success that you get from it um you you can't you know duke is not going to recruit for four star and five star talent very much um so do you just basically zig when everyone else zags and that's that's maybe that's how that's this is the situation where it might work or they can uh another name that's been brought up is mike houston at east carolina somebody who is I think would do a good job there. I mean, he he took over ECU when it was a pretty rough rough situation. He's getting him to a bowl this year. Um, yeah, I, I thought I think his price would have gone up had he beaten uh, Cincinnati in their last game. But he's you know he'd be someone that I think you know is right there in, in the state, and I think he could he could have some success there. Yeah, I, I would go for for Houston in that that role i think that's a that's a good pick we'll see whether or not there's uh i think that the big thing here is um will the uh the boosters and the athletic department support growing football at duke um honestly you know as much as they don't they don't want to get rid of cameron blah 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 they need new facilities across the board at that school. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it, it boy, costs, you just said money. something blasphemous. I know, but it, I, but you your point, at least with the, with the basketball court, I think your point is valid. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it's, hey, you got the advantage of that that atmosphere and the whole nine yards. Yeah. It's kind of unique. But you know what? Uh, So was 1950. 1950 (laughs) was an interesting year, too. Okay, but it's what can you tell us about 1950? I'm just kidding. I, I, I wasn't around then, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, whatever. <laughs> Liar. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> I was around before um, I was with the dinosaurs. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, speaking of Duke, let's uh, we've got about 10 minutes. We can uh, slide in some basketball here. Uh, Duke men's basketball was number one. Because they knocked off the Zags, and they're not going to be number one next week. So this is, and we'll just we'll throw in this Big Ten ACC challenge while we're at it because, uh, man, this has been ugh. a bleep show. Yeah. All right, so let's let's talk about Duke. Obviously, they had a huge win over Gonzaga on Friday night. Um, a lot of that, I think, had to do with Gon- Gon- it was all a front court thing. I mean, Gonzaga's guards are really good, but they didn't have a match for Palabancaro and Mark Williams. And Williams just an absolute beast in that game. And I've I was in his corner, you know, at the beginning of the season. Everyone put Ban- Mancaro or Bancaro on a on the, you know, high up on a pedestal. But I was like, you know, Mark Williams played like the best player in the ACC at the end the last season. And he really showed out in that Gonzaga game. Um, not so much in the, in the Ohio state game, but I, I will, let me go back, oh, back on the Gonzaga thing. I think they, their front court, you know, Chad Holmgren, um, who just, they all their front court guys were getting into foul trouble because they just couldn't, they couldn't match up well with them. And, you know, Chad Holmgren's also like a pencil. I think he's seven feet and like 180 pounds or something like that. Uh, and that might, then that might be generous. Mm-hmm. But the thing that doomed him against Ohio State is they just went ice cold in the second half. I was watching this game for a little bit last on Tuesday night, went to bed. I think they were up seven. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. They got this. Um, woke up, the, woke up this morning and, huh. They lost because they went ice freaking cold. Um, and it wasn't like it just the entire team was ice cold that uh, against Ohio State that uh, on uh, Tuesday night. I mean, they I don't remember the exact percentage of the second half, but look at some of the shooting from the game. Um, Mancaro was 4 of 14, Jeremy Roach 4 of 10, Trevor Keels 3 of 12. Um, yeah, it's just not going to work. Obviously, Wendell Moore has really stepped up his game for the Blue Devils this year. He had 17 points in that game, had eight rebounds. He's, you know, we talked about, you know, he, you know what was what was going to be the the next step in his game, and it really it really has shown up for them this year because, you know, I still don't fully trust their other guards, um, and he's going to have to do a lot of the work. He's not not much of a three point shooter, but. Really, that that's really Duke's bugaboo is they are not a good three point shooting team. They were four fourteen from three in this game, and they are currently for the for the season shooting a thirty just under thirty three percent from three, which is just inside the top two hundred in Kempom. Um, this is not a, you know, if the, the really this is why I think teams like Florida State can can handle them because they have the front court that can match up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, let the really the formula is to let them try and shoot threes and if they and if they can tip your hat to them here's here are my my thoughts on uh acc men's basketball uh november december uh, i'm not too worried about it uh, what i do see is a lot of these teams are uh, improving, I think they're getting a heck of a lot better. They're finding the rhythm, the the great matchups, the, the great combinations, the pairings, all the stuff that coaches do. They tinker with all of that in the first couple of months. There, that's what's happening that I see. Um, I think that once we hit the stride in January and get into February, and then obviously by the time we get to the tournament that you're going to see far more ACC teams in the running uh, than you would have imagined based upon what we're seeing so far. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty encouraged. Um, I think um, 
I will say this about Virginia because what I've seen so far, the early part has just been really rough, but I'm starting to see some things click. And yeah, and no, go ahead, Jim. I, I just I, I think that Tony Bennett will uh, have them turning the corner here before uh, much longer, and uh, you'll see that team rising back up into the top 25. I mean, it's going to take time. I, I think this is one of the things we need to realize. This team lost a lot from last year. Um, they're still not a great three-point shooter. They, they were better shooting from the three in this game. They were nine of eighteen. I think that's their best effort of the season. I don't. I don't have a, the full season in front of me, but I think that was their their best effort of the season. And I think uh, what we saw is still, you know, Tony Bennett still working on his rotation a little bit. Uh, we've seen Tane Murray in the last couple of games basically come in at the end of the game when the games were well decided. He was just getting a couple of minutes off the bench. He came in and played 21 minutes in this game, hit four threes and had 14 points. So yeah, this, this is you know, these, these young guys that are coming in like a Murray, like a Milicic, uh, you know, the, then obviously com combine it with an Armand Franklin who who has been a little bit inconsistent from three this year. If they can get that figured out, they're going to be a lot better. I, I remember Virginia was down 21 in this game and came back and we're obviously winning up until the final eight seconds. But I I appreciate the fight from this team. Uh, I do think they're they're going to be a lot better as the season goes on. I, I even said in the preseason, this team has a lot of, I see a lot of parallels between this team and that 2019-2020 team, the one after the national championship that is going to struggle to score, but the defense will be a lot better. And I think once, I think that will help or be a bigger deal once Caden Shedrick gets more mature in his development and uh, doesn't get into foul trouble in the first half couple of quick notes because we only have a couple of minutes here. Boston College doing a lot better. Syracuse looking better. Uh, things are coming together there. Pitt, <clears throat> Notre Dame, don't know. Louisville, don't know. Virginia Tech, um, I'm kind of juggling balls there. Uh, NC State is, is coming along. Wake Forest, hey, tip of the hat to you guys. Um, coming along. You're growing. 100%. Growing. That's a, that's a big win. Yeah. That win over Northwestern was big. I know uh, Northwestern is, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's a big 10 team. This is, this is one of the things we needed to see because Wake really hasn't played many big teams on their schedule yet. And this was far and away their biggest contest and pulling that out. I think that that's huge for the, the future of the, of Steve Forbes and this Wake Forest for, and, and, you know, he's, he still doesn't have the talent quite there yet, but yeah, you know, I even said when he was hired, I'm a believer in Steve Forbes and I think he's going to get them It'll back to the tournament. It's just going to take some time. And right. these are baby, these are baby steps in the right direction. North Carolina coming along. Clemson is, uh, is making some baby steps. Georgia tech. Um, again, it's, it's development. Miami, I don't know. Florida State, I can I I certainly see um improvement. But again, I, I think across the board the ACC uh, men's basketball programs are are taking, you know, the months of November and December fine tuning everything and then yeah. you know going to come at it full force in January, February and into March and that's when it really counts anyway. One uh final thing here NC State women's basketball is tied for number two with UConn in the AP Top 25. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, they, they didn't quite get the same respect over on the coaches' side, but I'm hoping that they keep pushing up a, a, a little further and because um, they look good. Man, they're impressive. Um, one last word for me, uh, Will. Will. Uh, I'm wearing my, my Bears hat, and uh, here's the message I have. Uh, fire Matt Nagy. 
Thanks for joining us on ACC Nation. Follow us by subscribing on your favorite podcast or streaming radio platform and on YouTube. We'd appreciate a five-star rating while you're there. Visit our homepage at accnation.net and support us via PayPal. Keep up with the latest by following us on Google News. You can find ACC Nation on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Reddit, and Pinterest. Follow Will at WillsWorldMN, and I'm at ACC The Q. Cheers! Score.